Hey, before you start today's episode, I just wanted to jump on in and tell you about something so very exciting. I am holding my first ever summit. The Rise Above Summit is going to be on the 20th and the 21st of March and the tickets to it are free. All you have to do is register at theriseabovesummit.com. Now, I have pulled together the most phenomenal lineup for you. Honestly, it's like a who's who of the online world. So if you have an online business that you want to grow, so you're either a course creator, a membership owner, or a coach and do offer group programs, then this is definitely the summit for you. You are going to learn everything you need to know from the best experts out there in terms of growing that business. Let me just give you a little rundown of some of the speakers that we've got speaking. We've got the amazing Amy Porterfield, who's going to be sharing with us about growing her audience and basically creating a million dollar online business. We've got the phenomenal Michael Hyatt, who is a New York Times bestselling author, who's going to be talking to us about getting organized in our business. We've got Mike from the Membership Guys, who's going to be talking about using free content to sell your online membership. We've got Lucy Street from Adobe Express sharing the secret source of social media. We've got Graham Cochran, who's talking about a million dollar life giving business formula. And I do an amazing interview with him. We have Adrian Salisbury talking about three keys to maximizing your on camera presence. We have Kirsten Miller, Mary Hyatt, Joy Ann Boyce. Uh, we have Fifi Mason, Robin Kennedy. We have Kylie Lang, Melanie Moore, Jen Lena, Natalie Bullen, Liz Mosley. Like the list goes on and on and on. We honestly have the most phenomenal people. We also have various different activities that you can take part in that go from meditation to tapping to doing marketing in 10 minutes. So we've got lots of fun things and there's also competitions to get amazing swag. So go and check out theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP passed, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it and I can't wait to see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 185. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? We're in April, which means we're getting closer to spring. Oh, I can't wait. We had one day in the UK, I think it was like last weekend, where it was so lovely. And it was so nice to be sat in the garden. And if you follow me on Instagram, there was a little sneak peek that maybe Garden Watch is coming back. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you're thinking, what on earth is this woman talking about? So basically last summer, I had my garden landscaped and changed and everything. And I followed it along on Instagram and I have to say, I never got such a reaction. Like, this is what's really funny about things like social media is we spend hours creating this perfect content and then I literally go onto Instagram stories and go, hey, I'm doing my garden, want to see? And people were like, they loved it. So we um, ever a tweaker 
I am changing some things this summer and I've decided that a couple of the areas we designed didn't work very well and we're going to change them up and that sort of thing. Anyway, um, I haven't come on here to talk about gardening, although I am getting into it. I have to say, like I've even planted some seeds. My dad's planting some tomato plants for me and we're going to give them a go. And I'm doing loads of herbs because I cook a lot with herbs and I spend a fortune and, you know, if I can grow them, great. So I'm obviously getting really old. Uh, That's my concern now. I love gardening and indoor plants and things like that. But anyway, let's get on with today's episode. So today we are talking about selling. And this is so perfect for this week because this, I don't know whether you've noticed, you may not have noticed, but basically I've changed up how I'm doing my social media. And I will tell you about this because I've got a whole series of things I want to talk to you about in terms of actual social media and what you do at what phase. Because sometimes I think you look at someone who's a different level to you and thinks, well, or a different time frame or has more staff or whatever. And you think they do it like this. I should do it like this. It's like me looking at Gary Vee thinking I should be on every platform every day, look all the content. Well, apparently he has a team of like 40 people that helps him. So when I have a team of 40 people that help me with my content, then yeah, fair enough. I can turn up on all these platforms, but right now I can't. So I'm not at his level. However, I am at a different level to where I was and we've changed up how we're doing. But you'll see, sorry, I'm like rambling on, but you'll see that basically now we have a focus to our content for the week. So I work with one of my amazing team. We work out what the focus is going to be, or I work out what the focus is going to be. I then write some sort of big content that I do for the emails. And then from that, she's able to pull out some bits of content and help me create some of the social media. So that's really good. And I'm finding that super useful because I'm kind of taking you on a journey. So, you know, at the beginning of the week, I might talk about what something is and why you need it. And then towards the end of the week, I'll give you hints and tips. I might tell you a story. I might tell you something that really irritates me about it or something that like is amazing about it. So this week I'm talking about fear and getting over fear. And this is really interesting that this podcast has lined up with that week, because I think that one thing that people think when they think of selling is they're scared to sell. And I get it. I totally and utterly get it. It can be a super hard conversation to have. So I was so grateful today to um, be able to bring you Dr. Nadia Brown, who is an expert in all things selling. Now, I have to say we had such a laugh. She was a scream. We had a really good fun and a really lovely chat, you know, because it is interesting, you know, Obviously, when I started the podcast, I pretty much knew everybody I was bringing on. Or if I didn't know them personally, I'd followed their stuff and seen their stuff. And therefore, I would know what type of person they're like. And now, 180 whatever episodes in, I am lucky in the sense that I get lots of requests, which is lovely, uh, for people to come on my podcast As you know, lots of them I say no to because they're not the right fit. So when I do have someone on that I haven't had a, a personal interaction with, I obviously do my homework, but... It's always interesting to know, you know, well, let's see how this goes and and what they're like and and how we get on. But she was just brilliant. Loved it a bit. Such a great conversation. So let me tell you a bit about Dr. Nadia Brown. She's a sales strategist, a consultant, a trainer and the founder of the Dolan, I think I've said that wrong, agency, a sales agent that works with business owners, companies and corporations to multi-revenue and awaken the consistent closer within your sales team. Gosh, could I have said that any worse than I did? I, you know, I hate reading and talking because I'm, I'm not very good at it. So basically she helps people learn how to close and how to sell. Um, she brings over 15 years experience in leadership and powerful conversations and achieving goals and the respect for people to develop a comprehensive sales process to increase closing rates and satisfy client retention. So what I loved about Dr. Nadia is that like, it wasn't that horrible, I'm going to shower in bleach sales conversation. It wasn't that kind of like, you know, make them cry, pin them down, ask if they got their credit card. Absolutely none of the sort. It was so like how I would like to do selling, how I like to kind of approach that process in terms of have a conversation. Is it a right fit? Let's be honest about it. If it's not, then absolutely no problem at all. So 
It was a really good conversation. I really hope you're going to get lots from it. We do talk about high ticket items, but we do also talk about general selling as well. So I think there's some great stuff you're going to be able to pick up in this. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, it is with my great pleasure that I get to introduce to you the very lovely Dr. Nadia Brown. Nadia, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, my listeners know we always talk about the weather because like we're British, we're obsessed and you're over in Phoenix, Arizona, which is just amazing and couldn't be probably more different weather-wise from where I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) So you are enjoying the sun. And I have to say, and obviously you guys don't see this, but uh, you've got such lovely bright colours that it's like you are bringing the sunshine today. So thanks for bringing a bit of Arizona (laughs) sunshine. Um, Nadia, we always start off with explaining to my audience who you are and how you got to do the thing that you do today. So if you are cool, we will start with that. Absolutely. So it's funny because I talk about, you know, people are like, how did you get into sales? How did you start training? And I'm like, because I absolutely sucked at it. And And I'm like, if anyone can learn it, so can you. And um, when I first started my business, I was really focused on helping women um, step into their leadership. You know, I have a book, Shattering Your Inner Glass Ceiling, with all, you know, women's empowerment. But when it came to the sales part, oh my gosh, it was just one of those, I'd rather cut off my wrist than, you know, to have to talk about or invite people to work with me. And so because of that, I made a commitment to myself that I would figure it out. And when I did, it opened the doors to other opportunities that I didn't see coming. And I have some really good friends who were like, we need to hear your voice about this in the marketplace. And you really should talk about it more and do more of this. So, yeah. Yes. That's so, how I got started. <laughs> so that's that's really cool, actually, that you identified you weren't very good at it. And also, I love the fact that your friends are like, your voice needs to be heard. Because I think, like, when I think sales, like, an image of someone comes into my head. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a male in his 40s, 50s, in a suit, looking a Flat. little bit like, yeah, like, ooh, this isn't very nice. And I... And I also think, and I apologize to my male listeners, but like as women, like there is something about selling. Do you think, or if I just made that up, do you think? Oh, absolutely not. It is very in it. You know, one, women don't buy like men. Like we don't purchase in the same process. And then we also therefore don't sell like men. But a lot of times when women, when we talk about sales and I'll ask that question, like, wait, just like you said, when you think about sales, what comes to image comes to mind and I have a PowerPoint with that guy you just explained, (laughs) right? With the plaid suit and he's like, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't even relate, right? He's not the right gender. I would never be caught dead in that suit, right? And so it's like, (laughs) How do I then embody that that is me? How do I show up authentically as me and sell in a way that feels comfortable, yet is also effective? Yeah. So did you say, uh, when did you write your book? So you've, the, the book glass came book. out in 2013. So had you already started on this sales journey then, or was that prior to the sales journey? That was prior to the sales journey. That was probably... While I was still in my, if I build it, they will come. <laughs> I was still very naive. <laughs> oh, do you know what? That's so funny. I have I use that phrase a lot because of the fact that, unfortunately, there are lots of small business owners out there and business owners in general that think, like, if I just find my space on the internet and I put a website up and then I make up a Facebook page, I don't need to do anything else. And they whoever they are, are going to come in droves, yep. like knocking at my door, going, Teresa, can I, can I buy your stuff? I don't know what you're selling, but can I buy it? And yep. that doesn't happen, <laughs> does it? Unfortunately. I don't know who you are, but I still want to buy it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So how, how did you go about that journey of learning for, about the sales and becoming comfortable with it? Was there someone that you went to that was like your go-to mentor or how did that come about? Funny story. So I did hire a couple different mentors, went to several different trainings. And one of the challenges was 
how do I sell like me? How do I be an effective salesperson and yet not be the sleazy sales girl, right? Yeah. That was, that was yeah. like, I don't want to be her. Mm. And I had a mentor who actually hired me to join their team. I did not know, Teresa, that I was going to be doing sales. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that no. part I did not know. <laughs> I need everyone to understand that I went in thinking I was going to be doing one thing. And I knew that I would get like some sales training and coaching, but I never yeah. thought like I would be in that role, right? I was like, okay, I could watch videos and do some things, but never will I be the salesperson. Yeah. Teresa, I became the salesperson, like number oh, one salesperson. And and I'm just going through this process. I'm learning, I'm, you know, having conversations, I'm doing my thing. And one day, one of the owners of that company called me and he says, Nadia. Do you realize that within the past 72 hours, you sold like $100,000 or some really ridiculous number, right? Oh and I was gosh. like, I did? <laughs> like, I totally <laughs> wasn't even tracking it. I was just like, I did what? <laughs> Are you sure? Is there another Nadia here? Right. Uh, I think you got me confused. Call me because I don't think that is accurate, right? And so in that conversation and some subsequent conversations, you know, they were like, you're the only person that has come within our team and have been has been able to sell at this level that wasn't like nice. an owner right and so it caused me to really pause because he also pointed out like my style was also very different mm -hmm. from their style and so then i put my researcher hat on because i'm like well let's take a look at this yeah. right and so i was like huh you're right one i'm selling i'm selling at a high level what is making it different and i was like all i'm doing though is having conversations like my husband would come by my office some days and then when I would come out and say, oh my gosh, babe, I just closed the deal. And he was like, you did? Like, I thought you were in there talking to one of your friends. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was like, well, I guess it kind of felt that way. And that so funny. that was that was the start. And, you know, within that team, they then I started doing trainings for the other sales team members and some of their clients. And that was kind of the catalyst that really put me out there. Just like, you know what? I can do this and I can do it my way and still yeah. do it well. And it so again, I think when people think sales, like they think of that guy and then they think of like all the horrible tactics. And also I've seen sales training in the past or some sales training where it's like as if you're desperately trying to convince someone to do something they don't want to do. Like mm -hmm. it's a bit like those awful tactics of like, I don't know if you have it over in the States, but you know, when a double glazing person or a bathroom person comes to your house and basically won't leave until you sign the paperwork and they keep reducing the price, they keep reducing the price. Like that's, I think that's why I and m lots of other people think I don't want to do that because I don't want to look like that. Is that, is that your experience? Oh my goodness, yes. And a lot of people, I've had people ask like, how do I convince people to work with me? I'm like, wrong attitude. Or yeah. how do I overcome objections? I'm like, oh my goodness, don't get me started on why I hate that term, right? Okay. And you know, because it puts you in an adversarial relationship with the people you say you wanna work with. And you go into that <laughs> conversation feeling like I have to twist their arm or I have to overpower them and come out the victor and it's like no 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 no. we need to go in with a collaborative atmosphere and our attitude we need to go in also thinking about is this someone i even want to work with right yeah. you you know like sometimes in these conversations you talk to someone and you can feel it and we sometimes ignore it but you can feel it and it's like mm -hmm. no 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 this isn't a great fit for whatever reason maybe it's not now yeah. maybe it's just not a good fit and so you know, helping people to understand that, no, you don't have to go into that conversation that way, um, because that's going to impact how you show up and how people feel mm. as, in that conversation as well. So I've got some questions asked around that, but I'm interested, how would you show up in the conversation then? What sort of things, like, so when you were selling, was that a cold sell? Was that a warm sell? What was the, the sell that was going on in that scenario? So in those sales, they were warmer. So it was definitely mm -hmm. leveraging inbound marketing. So people had raised their hands to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things that I show up is I just show up as very inquisitive. I want to get to know you. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know what your goals are. I want to get, you know, to see if this is a good fit. I have literally told people, do not buy this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. for whatever reason, this isn't a good fit. Maybe it's not the mm -hmm. right time. Don't buy this. And so 
just showing up in a place from a coming from a place of service. Like, is this a good fit? Is this the right person? Is this the right time? Um, is this the right product? Um, sometimes I've gone into a conversation thinking that they were going to enroll in some, you know, one program. And mm. then during a the conversation, I'm like, oh, that's not the best fit, but this over here might be a better fit for where you are right now. And they've, you know, invested there. And it's not always because it was less expensive. Sometimes it was more expensive. Um, yeah. And so just really taking that attitude when you go into a sales conversation versus the attitude of, I have to get the credit card, you know, I have yeah. to convince them that this is the right fit. And if I don't, then I have failed. And that's, that's not yeah. true. So how, because that seems like totally up my street in terms of approaching it, talking about it. I have um, a high ticket 90 day program and I have my academy, which is $59. So low ticket in comparison. Mm-hmm. And I, I do take that strategy in terms of we'll have a conversation. I'd be really honest if it wasn't a good fit or if I, because I've got to work directly with them. Like if, if I don't think that I'm a good fit or they're a good fit for me, I would say no. And I try and be really relaxed about it and very kind of like, you know, and, and this is this, but sometimes I don't know, do they? I was about to say, sometimes people need like that little bit more persuasion and that little bit more confidence. So do they, and how do you do that? I think right now, Teresa, especially given the fact that, you know, there have been a lot of people that have been burned, right? Yeah. There is a level of skepticism that you see sometimes in those sales conversations. I think sometimes people also bring their own perceptions around sales and their own fears Mm -hmm. to that conversation. So what I've learned for me is to give people the space and honor their process, right? Mm -hmm. So if they need time to think about it, okay, what does that time look like? Let's schedule a follow-up. Is there additional information? And I've had people say, oh my gosh, you know, like, thank you for listening. Like this one woman I talked to, it was a $15,000 investment. So this was nothing to sneeze at, right? No, this is not an investment. And she called and she was like, can I just talk this out? And so, you know, she just went through her process out loud. And I just basically just sat there and listened. And then she said, okay, just let me think about it. And I was like, okay. And so she did. She ended up saying yes, but I think I had to be cool, right? Because sometimes yeah. we get excited. We're like, oh my gosh, I like you. I want to yeah. work with you. Mm. And it's like tampering our excitement yeah. <laughs> to allow them the space to process, you know, but understanding that people are definitely, a lot of our buyers are definitely more skeptical. Many yeah. of them have, you know, possibly been burned by other programs that didn't deliver. And, 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 you know, given some of the uncertainty in the economy and things that we've been dealing with, you know, they're like, should I make this investment right now mm. versus others? So we also have to come from that place of understanding some of the things that they may be thinking about and then yeah. honoring that and kind of, I imagine it kind of holding their hand and just kind mm. of walking them through the process at their pace and not at ours. And that's really interesting because I could be guilty of getting excited like because my brain just starts kicking into overdrive I'm like oh, I could do this we could do this I'll change that you'd be amazing and it's like and then I really want the work because I know what the difference I can make to them and their you know their journey their business themselves and therefore you do sometimes be like oh we get started now we could do this and it's like I love the fact of, you know, talking about honoring that kind of conversation with them, letting them do it. Because we've all, in fact, I heard this one scenario, I won't name who the person was that uh, was doing it, but they were like, they basically, they were on a sales call to someone very big, and not the actual person to one of their team. And they said, you know, it's X amount of money, whatever it was, and it was a huge amount of money. And they were like, you know, could you raise that if you got credit cards? Like, could you actually imagine? And then they said, this person, now I wasn't on the end, so I don't know this a fact, but they said like, you know, well, could you raise that money? And they were like, no, I don't think I could. Well, what if there was a gun to your head? Do you think you could do it then? And it's like, what? Like, literally, what are you talking about? Like, I'm all for investment and I have taken myself to levels of uncomfortableness in terms of, I've got to invest in me, but I would never put myself, like if anybody came to me and said, right, I'm going to, I want to be part of the program. I'm going to put it on credit cards or I'm going to put it on whatever. Then I would feel particularly uncomfortable with that because it's like, you know, I don't want you taking that risk really in terms of putting yourself at risk. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the 
some of the, the the strategies then in terms of actually getting on the phone and having a conversation. So when someone says like, because obviously they have to raise their hand at some point. So mm-hmm. whether they, for the 90 day program, by the time this comes out, because I've tweaked it a bit, there's an application process. So they can apply, I'll look. And then if I think this makes sense, I'll invite them to a call. So they put their hands up, they've raised their hand. And then what kind of things should we be doing on the call to help that or before the call even? I love it. One, I love that you have an application process. I'm all about qualifying your leads, yeah. especially when you're leveraging phone conversations. And, you know, coming to the conversation, having read it and yeah. being able to acknowledge, you know, thank you so much for filling this out. I've mm-hmm. read this. I have some more questions. It makes people really feel heard and honored, you know, mm. that you've done that. I think sometimes it's also honoring people's time because they, they're also investing time and taking that time out to speak mm. with you. And a lot of our clients or our prospects are busy, right? And so mm. those are things that people really pay attention to. But I think the other thing then is when I like to level set. So again, just make confirming the amount of time that we have, letting, making sure they understand that this is a conversation about us potentially working together. Um, definitely don't, and I probably overdo that sometimes because I don't want that whole bait and switch feel. That's a naughty thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally my issue. <laughs> I own it. And, you know, just having my questions together to ask them and, you know, and but then giving them the space to really talk about what it is that they want to accomplish. And then, you know, what their goals are. And then we talk about how we may be able to work together. And so then I walk them through that. I think it's important for us to help them connect the dots. Because like you said, we get excited. These mm-hmm. programs are our babies. We created many of yeah. them ourselves, you know. And so we know all the intimate details, but helping them connect the dots in terms of what they say they want and how we can help them get there is really important in that conversation before we get to all the cool things that we get to do together. I think it's important to get their buy-in so they understand how they'll be different after working with us. And I definitely hear some of the language you're using there in terms of, I hear you. And I think that's the whole thing, isn't it? Especially for a higher ticket item. If you're coming to invest time with me, if you're going to be my coach, my therapist, my, you know, whatever it is, you know, person that I'm going to come and do some kind of program with that you need to pay attention to me and who I am because Mm -hmm. that's why you pay those high ticket amounts like if I just wanted to be one of the members in the big membership group then I would just join the membership like (laughs) but if I want that more one-to-one then I want to be heard so I love that I love I love the fact of, and I've done a little bit of this in the past where sometimes I've got on a, some people came on a wait list, but then didn't convert off the wait list. So because they'd put themselves on a wait list, like saying, yes, I want this. I then did videos of me and their site and talked about what I liked about it, what I thought, you know, them and and where I think they're going and what they wanted from it. And then I managed to get two of them out of something like seven videos to convert, which is insane. But like, so so I'm now imagining, right, application process, they fill in the application, I've got some information, I can go and look at their social, their website, and this is the best thing about the world right now, because we can literally find out so much stuff. <laughs> so then I can get on the call with them, and I can say to them, so, you know, tell me, tell me about, you know, where you're at, and what you want, and what you need help with, and, and go through the stuff they've answered. And then you get to a point where you're having to match, I guess. So, if they really want to grow their email list, then I have to kind of meet them with that conversation about how the program might help them do that thing. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Absolutely. So, you have to understand, you know, even though I'm sure they're going to get lots of goodness, mm-hmm. they need to know and understand that that one or, you know, whatever is one, two, three things that they're looking for will also be covered. And that yeah. they'll get that moving forward. And I think what you've done is really good because I know when I'm being sold, right? Or I'm having yeah. sales conversations where I'm the buyer, I'm on the other side of the table. One thing that'll really help me convert quickly is when you've taken the time to get to know something about me mm. before that conversation or outside of what I might have shared. Mm-hmm. Um, or even cold. I remember someone that reached out to me cold. I had never spoken to her, but when she included the name of my YouTube channel, 
in her email, you know, I was like, well, she yeah. at least paused long enough to figure out something about me, exactly. you know? And so it was, yeah. I was like, I'm willing to at least have a conversation. I don't know if I'll say yes. I ended up saying yes, but you know, it was like, I noticed yeah. like those little things. It's like, okay, all right. You took the time. It wasn't this mass. I'm just going to send this out and see who, who, bi who bites. It was like taking a moment yeah. to pause and say, Hey, all right, I know this one thing about you. And sometimes that moment doesn't have to take very long. It can literally be as, you know, you've got the bulk of the email written. It could literally be like, polite that, polite that, polite that. That's great. Or mm -hmm. the intro you change, the chunk stays the same. And then the, the outro, whatever you, you tweak as well. But, but I love that. And I love the fact of, you know, whatever so you know if they come to you saying these are my three objectives that it doesn't matter that well i can do this and this and this and this we have to meet those three objectives first mm -hmm. yeah so let's let's talk about because one of the things i wanted to ask you is you said um objection handling now coming from right i love it when people say things that i'm like oh i might have said those terms or i would have talked about this because then it like you know, calls me out for, for the right as in, okay, let's hear that other opinion. So in the online world, it is very often talked about objection handling. Sometimes objection handling is on a Zoom call while you're having a conversation. Sometimes that's on a sales page of, okay, so what are the reasons people wouldn't buy this in case someone's wondering what we're on about? And then you meet those objections with your answers. So tell me, why you weren't keen on it and and how you see that well one the majority of us leverage inbound marketing tech you know techniques and strategies mm -hmm. where people are learning about us they're doing their due diligence and then they're raising their hand in some way to say that they're interested in learning more about working with us mm -hmm. and when you look up the definitions of overcome and objections they're not very positive you know overcome is like yeah. overpowering your adversary like mm -hmm. in a battle like it's, when you really take a moment to think about it it is not a very positive stance to take no. when uh, when you're and especially when you're like a coach or a consultant or a trainer like we're going to be a lot of times working really closely with our clients and you think about i don't think i want our relationship to start where i have like had to pretty much beat you up if you will yeah. to get you to work with me yeah. now you know, I get the I get the essence of it. And so what I call that part of the sales conversation is clarifying questions. You yeah. know, people are going to have questions. Can I afford this right now? You know, where am I going to pull the money from? Like all the things that they're mm. thinking about. Will I take the time? Will I actually show up and do it? Yeah. Um, can they help me get the results? Do I like her enough to make this? You know, like all mm. the things that they have going through their heads. Um, so it's legitimate, but I think it's the energy behind it. And so just shifting it, clarifying questions. Yes, people will have questions. Yes, mm -hmm. we can address them. I love, you know, being able to address them before you even get to that part of the conversation. Yeah. But I think, again, the essence and the energy behind overcoming objections yeah. really has us coming into that conversation in a place that for many of us, I especially think as women, is very uncomfortable. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say we have we've done the call we've listened to them we know it's a great fit we've met their their needs you know we've explained how our service or our product fits them as they are now and we're at the point right where we need to sell and i mean like get them to make a decision because that's what we really want if the decision's no it's no but at least you know like the worst thing is just not knowing so how would that conversation go like what kind of words what language you would use how do you because you said something earlier and i thought oh that's good because you said it really firmly but friendly like how do you do that i think one and i agree totally with you that i tell people all the time our role in a sales conversation is to get people to a buying decision and sometimes mm -hmm. that is no and that's the best decision yeah i think you know there are a couple ways you can do that one in the beginning you can just put it out there and I think sometimes, especially when we're working with women, to give them permission to say no. Because sometimes, you know, women have a very unique relationship with the word no. I don't know what it is. That's a whole separate podcast, right? Yeah. But, um, it could be, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, before you even dive deep, you know, the time that we're going to spend together today is for us to determine if it's a good fit for us to work together. Mm. And if it's not, it's okay. It's totally okay for you to say no, right? Mm -hmm. And just going through that conversation. I think also once you 
you know, like you said, you, you helped them connect the dots. We talked about the program, we stated the investment, and now mm -hmm. we're at that place where what questions do you have? You know, just you just asking sometimes it scales questions. So depending on their response, I may say on a scale of one to 10, if everything was perfect, you had the money, the time was right. Mm -hmm. What, you know, where are you on that scale? Anything yeah. seven or low less is probably not for whatever reason. Yeah. Depending on how the conversation goes, I may probe a little bit deeper. You know, are there any other questions I that you may have? Is, is there anything that I didn't address? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that isn't clear? Um, or is it just, you know, not the right time? But I think mm -hmm. helping our clients get comfortable with no, I know I've been there on the other side, like the, for whatever yeah. reason, it just wasn't, but I just felt uncomfortable saying, no, especially if I like the person else, like, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to let you down or be a disappointment, but for yeah. whatever reason, this just isn't a fit. And so I think, you know, us just helping them acknowledge mm -hmm. and be okay, speak to the elephant in the room. Yeah. It may be yeah. no, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think do you think there's a lot of uh what's what am i trying to say that one of the, the really good sales i don't want to say tactics because it's not a tactic but there's something about that air of confidence like no one like when it's scrappy and it's like oh but this and then this and then this it's like the desperation is oozing out of them like and and that then makes you sort of go oh hang on a minute i don't want to be yeah. part of that place very much <laughs> like awkward whereas i think when you're in your own space and it's sometimes super hard to do that given like you want to make the sale so is that something you can only do when you're in that space or is that something you have to teach yourself to do i think it's something you have to constantly teach yourself to do mm -hmm. because there are there are times i now have lots of sales conversations and there are days when i'm totally detached and there are other days when for whatever reason I am really, you know, in it. I don't know. Sometimes I allow my own stuff or my goals or whatever it is, right? You know, yeah. sometimes it's hard to separate that stuff. But to your point, that level of confidence, almost that cool indifference, that cool detachment mm. from it, of that outcome and really giving people that space is very effective, but it's not easy to do. And you have mm. to constantly do it. Every time you show up to a sales call, you have to remember. I need to be detached from the outcome because mm. we can't control when people buy. We can't control mm. if they buy. Our job is to show up to, to guide them to that decision and continue to nurture the relationship. Because I have people come back years later, mm. <laughs> like years, and say, okay, I'm ready. Or I always knew I was gonna work with you, but now is yeah. the right time, or now is the perfect offer that you have that I feel fits. And I'm like, seriously? But I had no control over when, I just had to keep showing up. Yeah, yeah, it's such good points. And also, I think about the kind of tactics that are really pressuring and really awkward. If you come out of that conversation saying no, if you manage to have a conversation saying no, you are never going back there, are you? You are not returning to, to that person. Subscribe, delete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want nothing to do with you ever again. Nothing because do, yeah. that whole process is so uncomfortable. Whereas actually owning your space, being confident that you are a good, you know, this is a good product. You're a good person for that. You can help. But knowing that actually now isn't the right time, they are more likely to then come back when the time is right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. mm. And I've seen it happen time and time again where it's you know it's okay people have kept in touch or you know just the different things that we do whether it's our newsletters whether it's like mm -hmm. your podcast whatever it is that we're doing to continue to nurture that relationship but because and people have told me you know i felt heard you know mm -hmm. you listened to me you gave me that space to make my own decision i did have the pressure so now i actually want to buy you know yeah. all those different things matter to people and if you continue to nurture that relationship, if it's a good fit, they'll come back when they're yeah, ready. Yeah, absolutely. So how does it differ from then the lower ticket items? Like, because like I said, I've got two extremes. I've got a high ticket one-to-one -one, or I've got a membership at $59 a month. So do you still take some of your, how do you take that in? Because because let's let's take the membership. And funnily enough, I'm working on a launch at the moment and I'm looking at like what I can do as bonuses. And I was talking to my team and I was like, you know, what if I gave everybody a 15 minute call and they're like, but what if X amount of people join? You just physically can't do that. So how do you make someone heard when you can't give them that 
that one-to-one? Is it just completely different selling? I think there are some differences. Like many times when it's a lower ticket, we don't have sales calls. No. Because it's such a lower barrier, most people are like, okay, if this sucks, right? I haven't, you know, invested 15,000, like 50 bucks. I spend yeah. that sometimes, you know, at Starbucks or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, they tend to, the, the thought process a lot of times may be a little different, but I think there are things that we can do. One is looking at our copy, making sure our copy kind of tells the story, or if we put that video on that page, asking questions so people can really feel, feel mm. us. And then, even in like our email sequences, there are things that we can leverage, whether it's videos or, you know, different things to really help people get that feeling of connection, even though they may not be having that conversation with us like one-on-one. So it's really, you know, leveraging our personality and what that looks like. And I love like one of the tools I'm using now that I absolutely love is called Bomb Bomb. And, you know, unless you do these videos and in emails. And so whether it's the one-on-one follow-ups because I'm doing a launch, I have an event coming up soon and people that have registered, I've actually sent them a video and I'm like, hi, Teresa, so I'm so you know, excited <laughs> that you registered and, you know, what is one thing that you would like to learn or take away? And people have been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And so, yeah. you know, I also look for ways to have fun with it and it's a lower ticket product. It was, you know, something that we haven't done for a long time. <laughs> I haven't mm-hmm. done it in a while. So I'm really excited to do it. And right now the volume is allowing me to to do yes that. but of course once the volume picks up then it won't maybe it probably won't be all personalized i'll probably just have mm-hmm. to do something very more generic but i yeah. still want to leverage that because people get to see me and as part of my heart and my values that people feel heard and felt and you know mm-hmm. they have that that connection even if they're not working with me at a higher level yeah and i think you're right i think from kind of the ground up in terms of like the free content, the podcast, the the social media posts, like everybody that messages me, I message back. Now, I can't always guarantee it'll be within the same day or maybe even a couple of days, but I always do unless I lose it. Like in Instagram, I lose messages really easily, just so you know, in case you Instagram DM me and now you're about to go, well, I messaged you and you didn't message me back. <laughs> um, but like that sort of thing where you can keep that kind of that touch and that that response. So my next question is, if you've built an audience, okay, so you've got an audience and you're serving them and they're enjoying your content and they're enjoying your stuff and you then go to sell via email, let's say, or you're inviting something and they don't convert, how do you know that is, like, where do you draw your conclusions from? Like, how is it the wrong product? Did I not sell it well enough? Because everybody would instantly go to, I didn't sell it well enough. Like the mistake is obviously with me, not that it's the wrong people, wrong product, wrong time, wrong, whatever, but I didn't sell it enough. So people think, how am I, how can I sell it better? So, sorry, I've just literally thrown a load of random words at you there and you've got to make sense of that question. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. I think, you know, it depends because you're looking at, it depends on what type of analytics also that you get. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple, yeah, you're right. Most of the time we're like, I didn't do a good enough job selling it, but I'm like, you can never sell to the wrong person. It doesn't matter how hard you try, like if it's not the right product or the right person, it's not going to convert. If you can, you could ask questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it helps to do some pre-sale to kind of warm people up, to kind of gauge interest, to see you know, like is, you know, what's going on with the audience and then also just audience engagement. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes too, we grow and evolve and we don't realize that sometimes we may have outgrown or shifted our products. So I know like for me, I tend to, I work with both. So I've worked with newer entrepreneurs that are really just getting accustomed to having sales conversations or getting over their mm-hmm. fears. And then I've also worked with higher in, you know, higher level, more experience entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that are already at that, you know, multi six, I'm, I want to get to seven or eight figures, yeah. right? That's yeah. a different conversation. And so I have to be careful because for one, I'm like, okay, now let's look at your team. Let's look at your leadership. Let's look at, you know, certain mm-hmm. things, but if you're just starting out, you're not even thinking about that. Right. And so I think sometimes we, we also have to kind of pay attention to the content and where, you know, what it is that we are, what we're selling and who we're selling it to. And if there's a way to survey or kind of get a feel of who's on your list, that also mm-hmm. kind of helps or who's in your community or your tribe. 
and where they are that helps to kind of gauge, okay, is it me? Is it the copy? Or is it yeah. a completely wrong offer for my audience? Mm. And I think that's so true. I think often when we build an audience, we just focus on the building part. We don't necessarily think about have we got the right people. But also when I think about my audience and I think about some of the people on my list, some of my products will not fit them now or some of them won't be at the right level they want it or and actually because they came in on this type of lead magnet three, mm-hmm. four years ago and now I don't offer that type of stuff anymore. Now I do something different or now yep. I tweaked it a bit and they can't see themselves in my product. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think we just especially with things like email lists, it's like just build, 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 and the sales are going to build with it. And it's like, well, not if three years ago you were doing something that was a very different offer to a very different audience. <laughs> so what are your thoughts then? And I'm conscious of your time, so I won't take up too much time and, and just ask this last one, right? So what are your thoughts then? Have you, uh, you obviously know about an Ascension model or a value ladder or a whatever the languages we use for it. So you have a high end, a mid end and low end pricing so that basically, and the reason obviously if you're listening to this and you're not sure what I'm talking about, the reason is that someone can work with you on every level. So obviously the lower the price, the less hands-on touch, the higher the price, the more one-to-one. So do you see that as working and you just tweak the sales approach to to the three different levels or do you not see that that it works hand in hand yes and no i think depending on the person and what that a model looks like you can definitely do it i think one of the mistakes i see people make though is they try to do it all at the same time mm-hmm. and as you know that if you don't have a large enough audience to sell a low ticket because that's low ticket is high volume yeah and if i only have 10 people to sell a 59 dollars product to then guess what you have issues in terms of cash flow yeah and so i think it's also if you're going to use that strategy you need to understand when to use it so for example i had a client that when we started working together you know she had some revenue goals so we shifted her business model we did increase her prices and we got rid of everything. So she had one product that was higher in. Wow. Um, and we sold that consistently for about a year. Gosh. That was it. We only had one option for her, for people to buy. And wow. she was still out there building, building, building. And then once we did that and she was like, okay, I'm ready to just look at, you know, how to leverage my time. When we did launch and start adding some lower tiers, we had a really ready audience because mm. there were a number of people that we talked to that weren't ready or could not afford that higher price point than when we rolled out with something that was more affordable, mm. they jumped right on it. So like her first launch was a six figure launch, but you know, people didn't see the time behind yeah. the strategy. And so I think it's important for people to understand that yes, that can work, but when you're first getting started or you're looking to build an audience, it may not behoove you in terms of, you know, what your cash flow needs to look like in order yeah. for your business to operate, you know, to start there. But it could definitely help because then that allows you to serve more people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so good. Thank you so much for coming on. And just, I think, completely reassuring us in terms of like, because I always say I'm a terrible salesperson, always like, and I always come on and be like, you know, I didn't do a very good job of selling that. Like sometimes I joke like a bit like you did in terms of like you could spend that on Starbucks. So I'll talk about my $59 product and I'll go, I spend more than that on a bottle of gin and that barely lasts the weekend. Like, right. do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Why are you not buying this thing? Like, and I'll say it in that jokey manner and like, you know, but the other thing is when I do webinars, I'm going to do a boot camp soon to, to launch again. I am really honest from the outset, like this will, at the end of this, this activity, this challenge, this webinar, this boot camp, whatever it is, I have something to offer you. You don't have to take it like right. that. That offer is not going to take away from all the stuff we're going to do for the next five days or hour or whatever. So I do think that honesty of, you know, this is going to lead to sucks. I think sometimes, well, we all know it is, don't we? Because we've all got to sell. So just own it and be honest about it, I guess. And I think the other thing is people expect it. And a lot of times people are wanting it. You know, whether it's my own events or when I support clients, I've had people come like I came to this event, whatever it was, whether it was Mm. webinar boot camp or three day event or whatever, because I want to know if this is a good fit because I'm interested in hiring this person and working with them further. 
And I think we overlook those people, you know, that they are there. I've done it. I went to an event for my current mentor. I went to her three-day event and I went solely for the purpose of seeing, is she going to be a good fit? How does this flow? Do I like her personality, her style? So that I invest in her higher ticket program. Like Mm -hmm. that was my sole reason for going to that event. And so I think sometimes we over with our own issues around sales, we overlook the fact that people really do want to work with us. They, mm-hmm. They've been checking us out and, you know, they're coming to learn it. But like you said, just being upfront about it. Some of yeah. you, this is going to be a great fit. And what we cover in this is going to be enough. But some of you, you know, you want more. And for mm-hmm. you, I want to extend an opportunity for you to work with me. I would love that. So, yeah. See, even the language like that, I want to extend the opportunity to work with me. That just sounds so much nice, uh, you know, nicer and polite and and just with ease, you know, it's it's okay. not like, you know, I've got a great offer for you because that you know, <laughs> but it only lasts three seconds. So if you're not quick, you don't get it. If you don't buy by the end of this, it's over, right? <laughs> Your life is probably just not going to be worth living. So just forget it. You'll end up on the streets. Like seriously, visualize that. Visualize you on the streets. That's going to be right. you know, by my product. Oh my God. You should do like a total parody of like selling and <laughs> not to do it like that would just be hilarious 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 Nadia thank you so so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us it's been an absolute pleasure I will link up to everything in the show notes but where can they come and find you if our lovely listeners want to come and follow you oh well you can most social media I am at um, I am Dr Nadia Dr Nadia my website is the doyenagency.com so you can find us over there and nice. I do have a resource for those that are like, you know what? These conversations awesome. are scaring the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, I have a Courageous Conversations That Convert checklist. And you Love can get it. that at CourageousConversationsThatConvert.com. Perfect. Also, I do need to address the fact that you're a doctor. That is pretty fancy, isn't it? Like, how how much do you lord that over? Like, doctor, I am a doctor. That's ace. Probably not enough. Yeah. <laughs> You probably should. You should definitely like take that out a few times and and give it a spin. Like, honestly, it's one of those things that you think I'd probably just do it for the title. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of work, I should imagine. But, you know, it's a lot of work. I honestly did it because I made the promise to my grandmother. So when I was done, I was like, I'm done. And my husband was looking at me like, dude, you're a doctor. So he told everyone like my wife has her doctorate. It took forever for me to like actually use the title. What's, What's your doctorate in? organizational leadership. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's so cool. (laughs) Nadia, thank you so, so much for joining me for this podcast. There we go. That was the lovely Dr. Nadia Brown. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I will be back next week for a solo episode. Until then, have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 